This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Well, good morning, everybody. How are y'all? Good. You know, I didn't know that about the Reformation. I was going to get up here and say, Happy Jesus is King Day. Because that's every day, right? You don't have to worry about what day on the calendar it is. It's every day. Um, and Pastor Rob mentioned earlier, you know, he had asked me a few weeks ago, and I was waiting on chapter 6, right, talking about our spiritual warfare. So we're going to get right into it because y'all are going to have to listen really fast today. So you got a lot to cover, right? Um, so we're going to pick up in Ephesians uh, chapter 6 and verse 10, and it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Now, we could stop right there, and I could talk about an hour on that, okay? Um, because point number one is we are not called to be strong in our own strength and power. How many of you ever tried that? Yeah. Doing things in your own strength and power, what happens? You mess it up worse, right? I know I did. I messed it up if I tried to do it in my own strength and power. If we look at two examples real quick, um, Moses in Exodus 33 where he's getting ready to bring the children of Israel out. And God makes a promise to Moses, I will go before you. And Moses tells God it's a good thing because if you're not going with us, I'm not going. And that's the attitude we should have, right? You think about Jesus. Jesus never performed a sign of wonder until he was baptized with the Holy Spirit and due with power from on high. And then he began his ministry with signs, wonders, preaching the gospel. Um, so if those two people needed it, how much more do we need to be strong in the power of God? Ephesians 6.11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil or schemes of the devil. God made a way for us to stand against the schemes of the devil. What is it? Well, it's putting on the whole armor of God, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So if you think about some schemes of the devil, what would be some schemes? Thoughts, ideas, suggestions, absolutely. Deception, right. Fear, big one, fear, right? Doubt, unbelief. Um, one question he likes to ask is, did God really say that? Does the Bible really say you can't do this? Does the Bible really say you have to do this? Um, he wants you to question God's word. I asked the question in Sunday school um, at, at 8.45 this morning, if you want to join us next week, Pastor Bob's teaching. There's your plug, Pastor Bob. <laughs> Does Satan know the, God, the word of God better than you do? Think about that a minute. Does the enemy know the word of God better than you do? Does he? Because he knows it. He came with Jesus when Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness. He twisted it, right? But he still used the word of God. But Jesus said, it is written, it is written, it is written. And so that's how we're made to stand, um, by using the full armor of God, and we're going to get into that. Um, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. In other words, we're in a fight. That, that word struggle actually means wrestle, okay? Not talking about Old Channel 5 wrestling. <laughs> when I was growing up with a kid, my granddad would have that on every Saturday morning. And he'd be hollering at the screen, hit him again, Lawler, hit him again. They're cheating. They're, you know. I'm like, seriously, granddad, you're really getting into this, aren't you? Um, but it's not the old-timey wrestling match where everything's already made up. Even though we know what the outcome is, Jesus won. He's already won. But with us, we're in a fight. Um, and if we're in a fight, I want to win that fight. I don't want to lose it. When we're not fighting in a standpoint to get victory, but we're fighting from the point we already got the victory. If we know who we are, we already got the victory, right? We're going to talk more about being in a fight. Some of these I'm going to go through pretty quick, and some of them I'm going to spend a lot of time on. Um, Ephesians 6.13, Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand, 
Fourth point is evil days do come. But we're still called to stand. Okay? There's evil all around you. There's, there's, there's enemies all around us. If we could see in the spirit realm, um, then some of us may freak out and have a little bit of fear. You know, that's, I've seen a few demonic things in my life. I do pest and, and termite work for a living. And so I'm constantly going into people's houses. I go into Hindu temples. I go into all kinds of places. And I've seen a lot of stuff. Um, I'll share this with you. I was uh, actually killing roaches, you know, little bitty German roaches, the one that the female can have 48 per egg sac in three weeks. She can drop an egg sac every three weeks. You know, so they just go everywhere. So I walk in this house and open. It's one of those you open the front door and roaches just fall out on you. And you're like, fun, time to make some money, right? <laughs> See, take dominion over things that creep and crawl. Okay, that's what the Bible says in Genesis. So you can do it or you can pay me to do it. Either way, it's covered, all right? <laughs> so, so anyway, I walk in this house, man, there's roaches everywhere. Now it's vacant. This is a rental property. People have moved out. So I, I plug, uh, I go around tree. We've got a machine, and it pretty much when it hits them in a few seconds, they come out and go belly up, all right? And they're dead. So I'm running that machine. I've got a respirator on. All of a sudden, I just feel this presence behind me. And I turn and look, and you can see this dark shadow. And so I said, well, what is that, Lord? He said, that's the spirit of witchcraft and rebellion, and I want you to break its power over this house. I said, okay. So I said, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over you, the spirit of witchcraft and rebellion. I break your curse on this house in Jesus' name. As soon as I said that, dude left, gone. And so I just start walking around as I'm killing roaches. <laughs> Sitting the house free from roaches, I began to bless those walls with peace and joy and just the peace of God in that place. And by the time I left there, the atmosphere was totally changed. Amen. Totally changed. So you can do deliverance and freedom on an empty house. Right? So whatever, whatever situation you're in, you're in a fight. No matter if it's an empty house, there's something going on. Uh, Lester Summerall, I remember um, I heard somebody ask him one time, Lester Summerall, do you believe everything's a devil? You know, everything goes bad? He's like, not everything, but, but that was. <laughs> so it's, um, we're always in a fight no matter where we go. Evil days are always going to come. You may have people who, uh, who, are, who are struggling with things in your life. Like I, I share this in evangelism. When you have people come up to you and say, man, I got a headache today. That's the perfect opportunity for you to lay hands, say a headache, be gone in Jesus' name. Backache, whatever it is. That's just a fish popping the water. We're called to be fishers of men. Fish pop the water all around you all the time with the problems. Okay? And that's what God's called us to do. Um, to stand. Uh, if it's things in your life. God's called us to stand. We had some things going uh, this week with our, our son, Philip, at school. I won't go into all the details, but you had to stand, okay? Stand firm in that because um, the devil is always throwing the fiery darts. We're going to talk about that in a minute too. But um, Ephesians 6.14, it says, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So point number five is truth should be at the center of our lives. Okay? And, and the Romans, that, that girdle, that belt, would actually hold the breastplate and everything else in the, in the place. You could actually hang your sword on that belt. You could hang whatever, whatever else you may need for the day on that belt. The same way that truth should be the center of our lives. Well, what's the truth? Well, Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except for me. Jesus is the truth. John 8, 32, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. That's what Jesus does. He's still in the setting free business. He's, uh, he's still destroying the works of the devil. But you know how he's doing it? Through us. Jesus said the same works that those who believe in me, the same works that I did, you will do also. The very same works. So whether it's laying hands on a sick person, they recover. Whether it's casting out demons. Whether it's raising the dead. Whether whatever it is. 
we're supposed to be doing the same thing. Um, and it's the truth. What's the truth? It's straight out of God's word. Um, it should be the, at the center of our lives. Uh, when I wake up in the morning, the first thing out of my mouth is, good morning, Jesus. And I just begin to thank and praise him. And I want to get in his word. I want to, you know, I want to treasure it more than my necessary food. I've got to have something. It's like I wake up hungry for it. I wake up hungry for his presence. Um, some of y'all look at me like a cow looking at a new gate. You can have it. All you got to do is... Lord, I want that hunger. Lord, give it to me. Um, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness' sake shall be filled. So if you're hungry and thirst, if you're asked, seeking and knocking for it, God's going to give it to you. Um, and so, but it's that truth. The truth about what? Well, it could be healing. It could be, man, I'm depressed all the time. Well, God's word says, lay down the garment of praise. Lay down the spirit of heaviness and put on a garment of praise. Just begin to praise him. Begin to thank him. Um, that's what the truth does it sets us free and the, more, the only way we can be free is to know what the truth actually says alright number six we have been given the righteousness of Christ Isaiah 64 6 says but we are like an unclean thing and all righteousness are like and our righteousness is like filthy rags we all fade as a leaf and our iniquities, like the wind, has taken us away. And that is true. Our righteousness, our own self, self acts, our own good acts, on your best day at your best minute, is still a filthy rag in front of God. But, <laughs> God's got the biggest button of the universe. You know that? <laughs> but God, right? For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in 2 Corinthians 5.21. But God took Jesus and on the cross Jesus became sin for us. Every sin that you will ever commit, that you've ever committed, not only yours but the whole sin of the world was poured out on Christ on the cross. And at the end, he said, it is finished. He wasn't talking about he is finished. He was talking about the payment for your sins is finished. There's nothing too great that the blood doesn't cover. There's nothing too little that it missed. He covered it all. He covered it all for the sins of the world. And because he did that, it was like a handoff on the cross. Everything bad, Jesus took. Everything good, we got from Jesus. Grace, G-R-A-C-E, God's reward at Christ's expense. God's reward at Christ's expense. That's what grace stands for. And that's exactly it. When God looks at us, if you're a child of God, if you receive Jesus, if you bowed your knee to your lordship and you say, Lord, I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that you raised Christ Jesus from the dead, then guess what? You got the righteousness of Christ. I'm talking about the breastplate. When God looks at you, that's all he sees is Christ's righteousness. He doesn't see the way Zach Davis used to be or the way he is right now. He sees the righteousness of Christ. <laughs> I'm just messing with Zach. Rob paid me to do that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, it's a pretty, pretty cheap deal. Um, but anyway... It's the righteousness of Christ. So we've been justified. So when God looks at us, it's just if I'd never sinned. We've been justified through what? Again, it's all because of what he's already done. It's nothing I do. I just believe and I receive that, that by faith. And, and we get all the good things that, that Christ does. So it's his righteousness that protects us. Okay? If we know who we are, um, we're called to reign as kings in this life. Why? Well, because I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places far above every principality and power and all the power of the enemy. If I'm seated in Christ, with Christ, he's reigning, then we're reigning. Again, it's all because of what he's already done. All because of what he's already done. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, Ephesians 
and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. How many of y'all know your feet play a pretty important role in standing, right? Shauna brought up the, the, uh, the youth event this past Sunday. We were playing Capture the Flag in the Woods. I didn't see many adults out there. I saw, <laughs> I saw Charles Levin and, and Michael Thede um, and myself. And I was looking around. I was like, man, where's all the parents at? Why aren't they out here running around in the woods, right? Well, after the first game, I think I knew why. <laughs> There's laying down trees, you know, I'm jumping on trees and bark's peeling off of it and doing a, a roll, but I just make sure nobody's looking, I roll, get right back up and get at it, right? <laughs> Rolled my ankle out there in a hole in the woods, but I didn't say nothing, I just kept on going, right? Why? Because, man, we're going to beat them guys, what are you talking about? And my team did win, by the way. <laughs> We lost ultimately. Frisbee, my ankles messed up, you know. So, but anyway, uh, that's because we let Aaron and Devin get on the same team when I told them not to. But that, that's, <laughs> that's what happens, right? Um, so, yeah, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Uh, point number seven is our movement is confirmed by the peace of God. What do I mean by that? If you're moving in this life and say you've got a new job opportunity, if the peace of God isn't with that, don't go there. And if the peace of God isn't with you to stay where you're at, don't stay there. God's peace will go with you. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 13, it says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Aren't you glad it said that? All the churches of the saints. Um, he's not the author of the confusion. The devil is. He wants to confuse you and get you going left when you should be going right. He wants to get you moving forward when you should be sitting still. But God brings us peace. Um, Romans 14, 17, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace. Peace being the key word. You know, I was, I think I shared this story before. I'm going to share it again. When, of course, April and I, we have, we have five boys. Um, Silas was born on Christmas Eve. Messed our whole Christmas holiday thing up. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> he was, his due date, was, our due date was January 7th. Silas came on Christmas Eve. Titus came, uh, yeah, when was your birthday? July 27th, yeah, 2002. I think I didn't know that. And then Philip and Michael, I remember this, my wife, uh, we're getting ready to go to the ultrasound. I didn't go to the ultrasound. I'm like, look, third time, you got this. No point in me going. But she'd been having a lot of morning sickness, right, with this one, and she never had it with the first two, and I'm like, and she's thinking, well, maybe, you know, maybe it's just a girl. And I'm like, nah. <laughs> so anyway, she goes, and they're like, we're going to do an old, early ultrasound just to make sure everything's all right. And so she calls me later crying. And um, I'm like, what's, what's going on? I'm thinking something bad's wrong. She's like, it's twins. It's two of them. <laughs> and I said, Lord, help me. Because one is tough enough, but two, but I had his peace to know that it was going to be all right. Uh, my family, most of my family lives in Olive Branch. They helped us out. Um, but anyway, with that ultrasound, um, a few months later, when it was time to, to find out a boy or girl, again, I said, oh, you got this. And my brother, who teaches physics, he's got this whole chart worked up, right? He's like, now look, is this percent, it's gonna, they're both going to be this, this. I'm like, dude. I already know it's boys. God has told me the names of my children before we even knew what they were. With the twins, I was praying one morning. I didn't ask him. He just tells me these things. It's part of the fellowship we have. I was praying one morning. He said, I want you to name, name Philip Michael came to me. I said, Philip Michael? That's two first names. That's weird. And I didn't think nothing else about it until after I found out we was having twins. And then, um, and so anyway, fast forward. 
She went, how many weeks? 38. One kid is seven pounds. One kid is seven pounds, 15 ounces. Together. <laughs> so when her water breaks, September 13th, 2007, Philip's umbilical cord comes out when the water breaks. And so she wakes me up. I call my mom. I'm like, look, we're locking the front door. We're headed to the hospital. I'm driving 90 miles an hour to Baptist East. She's calling her doctor. We're praying. But this whole time, I got peace of God about it, uh, even though I'm driving 90 miles an hour. I told her, I said, look, if I see blue lights, they just going to have to catch me. <laughs> and so, so we get to the hospital, and they already got a stretcher waiting on her. And I pull up to the curb, they, they get her out, they get her on, they just start doing emergency C-section, and I don't even get to see, you know, see all that. That's cool. You ever seen them do a C-section? <laughs> and, uh, and, <laughs> and so, so anyway, we get there, and, and they put Philip in the NICU because his, his oxygen level is low. Even though when they put oxygen on him, everything went up where it's supposed to be. And, um, and so we had Philip in one room. Well... April and Michael and myself were in another room, and April starts having seizures from her enzymes going crazy. And, um, and so I'm holding Michael while this is going on. I stick my head out in the hall, holler for a nurse. Nurse comes running. I'm looking, still a piece of God, holding a baby in my hand. I said, in the name of Jesus, I command your seizures, stop. And stop just like this. And so they end up putting her on magnesium for 24 hours but now i got her on like the fourth floor me and michael's on third floor phillips in the NICU on second floor i'm sitting there holding this kid in my hands i'm like i'm looking at him dude's like not even a day old and he's holding his head up looking around I'm like yeah i said lord i'm gonna go ahead and dedicate this baby to you in jesus name <laughs> and so i go down they put her on magnesium for 24 hours I go and get her a cherry, uh, cherry Coke because that's her favorite drink and I take it to her, check on her how she's doing. She's asking about Philip. I'm like, look, I ain't even seen Philip yet. You know, besides when we strolled, you buy him to look in the NICU. So I go up there, um, check on Philip, and it come to find out it's one of my customers who's a nurse taking care of my son. <laughs> and God awesome. And, and so I look at him. I said, well, how's he doing? She said, like, he just don't want to eat. I said, give me that boy take the bottle, put it in the hands in the name of Jesus, you're fixing to eat. That dude went to town eating. Because she was saying, if he don't eat, we're going to leave him in here a day, you know, another day or so, and he won't be able to check out. I said, no, we're checking out at the same time, all of us. So the dude started eating in Jesus' name, and we're getting ready to check out, and here comes, they, they strolling Philip in the room with us. We all leave at the same time. But in all that stuff, I still had the peace of God. Why? Because I knew God was in control. I knew his word. I know what his word says, and I had my, my shield of faith up, and I was extinguishing all the fire darts of the one. But wherever I go, his peace goes with me. If his peace is sitting there, I know something's wrong. It's usually me, right? The same way with you. I always know where God's peace. I always, always be aware of it. If it's not there, something ain't right. Um, all right. Ephesians 6, 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you are able to quench all the fiery darts. Does that say some? No. It says all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Uh, point number eight. Fiery darts will come, but we've been given a shield. One of my favorite heroes of Marvel is Captain America. Right? He's got a shield, right? Even when he didn't have the shield, and, and they're in Wakanda. And uh, Black Panther says, somebody give that man a shield. Why? Because he needs his shield. The same way, you need that shield. I like to ask people, how big is your shield? Well, how big is your faith? Right? The Romans, their whole shield would cover their whole body when they got down behind it. Okay? That's the same thing God's called us to. Um, wrote this down. It is the faith of patience and endurance, trusting in God's protection and and being submissive to his will on which the darts of temptation, whether from fear, lust, or from doubt, fall harmless. It's the faith of patience and endurance, trusting God's protection. 
That needs to be our lifestyle. It's not just a once-in-a-lifetime once a, a thing where we use the shield of faith. Uh, when you act in faith based on what God has said, trumping your feelings and even trumping fact, then you are using the shield of faith. When you act in faith based on what God has said, trumping your feelings and even trumping fact, then you are using the shield of faith. So no matter what I'm feeling like today, by his stripes I am healed. A few months ago, this right shoulder decided it didn't want to do pull-ups and push-ups no more. And so it started snap, crackling, and popping, like Rice Krispies commercials. You ever heard of Rice Krispies? And that's what it sounded like. And so I, I didn't go to the doctor. If you want to go to the doctor, go to the doctor. I went to the great physician, and he lives on the inside of me. And I said, in Jesus' name, I speak to this shoulder. I command you, line up, whether it's bones, whether it's ligaments, whether it's tendons, whether it's muscles, whatever it is. Did it happen instantly? No. So about a month later, everything was lined up. Why? I was speaking to it continuously. See, Proverbs 4.20 says, My son, pay attention to my word, for they are life to those who find them, and health to all your flesh. So I was speaking life and health to my shoulder, and it lined up exactly where it's supposed to be. Now, I'm not saying don't go to the doctor. doctor I mean, God uses the doctor to heal people, but... I didn't go to the doctor. James 4, 7 says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. So if he isn't fleeing, then one or two things. You're not submitting or you're not resisting. One of those two. Because if you're submitting to God and you're resisting, then he's going to flee. Talk about lust, talk about pornography. All the guys just snapped their heads and looked at me. <laughs> I was listening to a youth pastor one time. He had a kid asking, well, brother so-and-so, how long am I going to struggle with lust? And he said, about, no, to about five minutes after you die. But, you know, God gave you this great thing. It's called a neck, right? You can turn like this. Yeah? Everybody do that? You can always turn, right? So there's always a way of escape. Um, but if we're submitting to God and resist the devil, on the same thing with lust pornography, say you're being tempted to that, and we talked about this in Sunday school also, how many times do you have somebody in your life where you can pick up the phone and say, Brother, I need help. I'm struggling. I'm being tempted right now. Okay? If you don't have that, then you need to ask God, Lord, who can be, you know, my accountability partner in my life? And it's somebody, number one, you should, you should trust. And if you don't have anybody, then start reaching out, building relationships with people, see who you can trust in all that. Um, but I would consider and say foremost, pray and say, Lord, point me in the right direction. Um, because the arrows do come. It doesn't say you got the shield of faith, the arrows aren't going to come anymore. They're on the way. They're being let loosed, okay? And we have to extinguish that with our, with our shield of faith. And it's so key, uh, part of discipleship. Um, one of the main words out of discipleship is discipline, right? Sometimes it may not even be the enemy. It may be the flesh you're struggling with, and you just need um, some discipline in your life to overcome that. And it's time to draw the line and say, no matter what, I'm not doing that, right? No matter what kind of help I need, uh, whether I have to call Jerry Branch or, or, or Zach or Pastor Bob or, or whoever I have to call to get help, I'm going to call and get help. If I've got to go through freedom, I'm going through freedom. Um, but submitting, resisting, that's part of resisting. Um, and the Word says, He will flee from you. I was... Um, a lot of times I'll, when I'm driving, I just drive from stop to stop doing pest control. And some of these things you see in people's houses. Some of the lovely hotels I do uh, where you got to go in and kill bed bugs. I'm not going to name any names. Y'all know bed bugs are alive, right? They're, they're well. Um, and since 2006, we've been killing bed bugs in Memphis. And so 
I went to the hotel room one time. I opened it, get all my stuff, unlocked the door, and there's like a triple X movie on in there. So what I do, I just started laughing. I walk over and cut the TV off, right? <laughs> Resisting the joy of the Lord is my strength. The peace of God, devil, I'm not giving into it, even though you already had it on when I walked in. I'm shutting it off, cutting the switch. Why? Because God's got such a bigger blessing for me if I overcome this temptation than if I give into it. The blessings of God will overtake you. You know, I, do, I go deer hunting. All right, if you've been to my house, Miss Ellen, you'll see deer heads on my wall, right? It's like trophies up there. Are you on the devil's wall? <laughs> Y'all didn't see that coming? <laughs> Does he have your head on the wall? Does he know what to get you with every time? Or do you hate him that much? Well, you want to torment and pain to him and just say, no, not today, not going to happen. So when situations come up in our daily life, we don't, you know, it's, it's kind of like the fiery arrow. Here comes one. You know, can you see an arrow coming from a distance? Do you know to be looking up? Does it make a sound in the air? Well, when it gets close, you may be able to hear it, but they're just loosed, right? But we should always be carrying our shield around with us because you never can tell when you're going to come in contact with a fiery dart and to lift that faith up no matter what it is, no matter what circumstance it's in. Um, you know, it could, be, uh, it could be you're standing in the gap with somebody else. Um, I've shared this. Um, I'm telling you a lot of stuff I share in Sunday school. See what you're missing out. Um, it was the last Saturday in, in June, and I was doing an initial pest control in a lady's house in Olive Branch, and she was, um, had arthritis really bad in her hands. And so I get through doing my stop, and I tell her, you know, God's a healer. He can heal your arthritis. I share a couple testimonies with her, and I pray for her, and she's like, well, I'm waiting for something instant to happen here. Nothing instant happened. I said, well, how long you had this? She said, well, my mom had it. And she passed away, and I got it. I said, wait a minute. Your mom had it? I said, let me pray again. I said, in the name of Jesus, I break the generational curse of arthritis that passed from your mom to you. Thing left. She convulsed. It left her just like that and instantly got healing in her hands. She jumped up and said, I feel it. I feel it. I feel it. I said, I know you do. I saw the thing leave you. She said, I felt it leave too. And uh, so sometimes you may have to use your shield of faith to even help a brother or sister who's getting hit with fiery darts of arthritis over here, Right? Because we're all in this together. We're called to be a part of this together. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Ephesians 6, 17. Point number nine. Do not put on the hat of condemnation. It's called a helmet of salvation, not the hat of condemnation. <laughs> Believers have the helmet of salvation, but choose to wear the hat of condemnation. Their mind is filled with guilt and shame. They live in constant fear of losing their salvation. But your salvation is in Jesus, and your salvation is secure. If people are struggling with whether they just lost their salvation or not, how many people are they going to win to Jesus? Nobody, because they're not secure themselves. Well, which way is the wind blowing today? Well, I might be, and I might not. No, Jesus said, nobody can take you out of my hands. You're right here. Nobody can take you out. Nobody. Uh, 1 John 5, 13, it says, These things I've written to you who to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you can, may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. So the Bible actually says you can know. You know how many people I've talked to and they don't have a clue you can know for certain? Several. There's several people out there. But God's Word says we can know for certain. Point number 10. We have the best sword ever made, and we must use it. I like watching Lord of the Rings, right? You see all these guys, their swords, you're looking at them long swords. I, I've been in people's houses, they got replicas of, like, of some of the swords of Lord of the Rings. I'm like, man, that's a cool-looking sword, but you got the coolest sword of all time. It's called the Word of God. Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. That's some piercing right there. And the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Division between the soul and the spirit. 
the joints and marrow. In other words, it can get in there. If it just needs a little of this removed out, it can get in there and do that. If we need to lop off a whole section of something, it can, it can do that too. Whatever it needs to be, it, it, can, it can do it. And also, it's an offensive weapon, right? Shield's defensive, helmet salvation is defensive, the breastplate's defensive, but the sword is called to be on the offensive. So is your sword still in its sheath, or do you use it every day? Two scriptures on that. Psalm 18, 30 through 42. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. For who is God except the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? It is God whose arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes, me, he makes my feet like the feet of a deer and sets me on the high places. He teaches my hands to make war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have also given me the shield of your salvation. Your right hand has held me up. Your gentleness has made me great. You've enlarged my path under me so my feet did not slip. I have pursued my enemies and overtaken them. I have pursued my enemies and overtaken them. I didn't wait for them to come to me and have to get my shield out. I have pursued my enemies and overtaken them. You've also given me the next of my enemies, so I destroyed those who hated me. They cried out, but there was none to save. Even to the Lord, but he did not answer them. Then I beat them as fine as the dust before the wind, and I cast them out like dirt in the streets. Now, David is talking about physical enemies, but I'm talking about the spiritual enemies, and this being applied to that. And so we are to be pursuing the enemy. We are to be having him on the run. It says that he's given us the next of our enemies. They cried out to the Lord. Lord, give me some relief because Jerry Branch is whooping my butt today. <laughs> and the Lord don't even answer him. That's what he's supposed to be doing, right? We're called to be on the offensive. Beating something as fine as the dust before the wind Y'all ever seen like dust before a wind? What happens? It just gets scattered everywhere. That's the way God wants you to be with the enemy. He wants you just to have them scattered. Just let the wind blow them away. They're beat down so bad. Psalm 35, 1 through 9. Plead my cause, O Lord, those who strive with me. Who's striving with us? The devil. Fight against those who fight against me. Who's fighting against us? The devil. Real easy answers. Take hold of shield and buckler and stand up for my help. Also dry out the spear and stop those who pursue me. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. Let those be put to shame and brought to dishonor who seek after my life. Let those be turned back and brought to confusion who plot my hurt. Who's plotting your hurt? The devil. It says, let those be turned back and brought to confusion. Did David just pronounce confusion on the enemy? Well, if David can do it, I can do it. That's right. How you do that? We say, in Jesus' name, I speak confusion into the ranks of the enemy that's assigned to me and my family. Boom, done. They're confused. They're looking at each other. What are we doing here? What are we doing here? That, that's how it works, in the name of Jesus. Let them be like shaft before the wind. There's that shaft before the wind again. And let the angel of the Lord chase them. Wait a minute. Did David just ask for angels of the Lord to chase the enemy? Yeah. So if David did it, I can do it. What does that look like? Well, in the name of Jesus, every devil that's assigned to me and my household, I command the angels of God to pursue them and chase them out of here. In Jesus' name. See that? Let their way be dark and slippery. Y'all ever tried to walk in the dark on a wet, wet street, wet pavement, wet rocks, whatever? That's what David's asking to happen to his enemy. And let the angel of the Lord pursue them. So he's asking them to chase, and he's asking them to pursue. Let destruction come upon them unexpectedly, and let their nets they have hidden catch themselves. So the very nets and traps they have laid for you, David said, let them fall in themselves. Again, if David could do it, I could do it. Why? Because all scripture is given by inspiration of God's proper doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped. So if David did it, I can do it. 
Into that very destruction, let them fall, and my soul shall be joyful in the Lord. It shall rejoice in his salvation. One quick story on that. We were, back when I was a youth pastor, we were having community groups. Well, we call them small groups, cell groups. And we got, we'd had 15 or 16 people come in. A lady from Holly Springs, she had a friend of hers who was practicing homosexuality, who was practicing witchcraft, who was doing drugs, and she invited him to group. And so it was at my friend's, one of our friend's house, and uh, she had called us ahead of time saying, hey, he's actually coming this time. So my friend is freaking out. He's like, man, what am I going to do? Somebody practicing, practicing witchcraft coming to my house. I said, come here. I took him to his back door because everybody goes in his back door. I said, you stand right here. This is what you say. I said, your house, you have authority over your house. I said, you just repeat after me. In the name of Jesus, I call on angels of God to stand at this door and not let anything demonic come into my house. That's it, okay? And I left, and I'm finishing getting ready for, for group. I forgot about it. And so the lady comes. She brings her friend with her. She walks through the door. Dude walks up to the door, and he bounces back like three feet. He goes at it again. He bounces back. He goes at it again and bounces back the third time. And by this time, they've come and got me. Like I said, I forget about it. And um, I go, <laughs> just as he's staggering back the third time, and I walk out there, me and my friend. I said, what's going on, man? He said, man, I can't get in the house. I said, I know you can't get in the house. I said, you know why you can't get in the house? He said, man, I don't know. I said, there's angels of God standing there. His eyes got really big. I said, because you've been practicing homosexuality, witchcraft, you've been doing drugs, and nothing demonic is coming in this house tonight. That's why you can't get in. I said, but Jesus. So we took him by the hand, me and my friend, led him back in the room, led him to Christ, cast the devils out of him. He got filled with the Holy Ghost. All because angels were standing guard at the door. Amen. Amen? That's straight out of the Word of God. You got that same authority over your house, over your property. All right, um, Ephesians 6, 18. Praying always with prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Number 11, the armor of God is not complete without praying in the Spirit. A lot of people stop at 6. God don't stop at 6. It's always 7. <laughs> Talking about the parts of armor, the last one is praying in the Spirit. What do I mean by that? Well, Jude one twenty it says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14, 14-15 says, For I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will pray with understanding. I will sing with the spirit, and I also pray with understanding. So, praying in the spirit is the Holy Spirit prayer language that God has given you. Okay, if you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit and you received your prayer language, that's what, that's what Paul's talking about, praying in the Spirit. Uh, quick illustration of that, Acts 19, 1 through 6. It says, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, We have not as much heard that there was a Holy Spirit. In other words, what are you talking about? We ain't even heard of a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, Into what then were you baptized? So they said, Into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then Paul laid hands on them. The Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So here's what happened. You got a bunch of disciples, 12 of them, who've been following John. John's dead, beheaded. Paul finds them. He says, what were y'all baptized with? They said, well, we, we've been taught to look for the Messiah. Who's coming? Paul said, I know the guy. Let me tell you about him. He leads them to Jesus. They become Christians. Were they instantly baptized with the Holy Spirit then? No, they were brought to new life in their spirit. Then Paul lays hands on them, and they receive the Holy Spirit, and there's proof of that by Praying in tongues and prophesying, right? So that's what we're talking about, praying in the Spirit. Um, if you hadn't received that, because there was a point in my life I hadn't received it. Luke chapter 11, it says, ask, seek, and knock. 
You ask, seek, and knock. Until when? Do you get it? <laughs> until you get it. I started asking, seek, and knock. It took me a week. It took me on the seventh day. I got it. And it's not like it, it doesn't come up here. It just comes up here. And you just step out and say it in faith. You may get a few syllables, but it's kind of like a, a little kid learning the vocabulary to speak English. The more they hear, the more they speak it, the better they get at it, right? And that's the same way it is with that. And so you're going to have the opportunity. We'll pray for anybody who wants to see that at the end here. Um, Ephesians 6, 19 through 20. And for me, the utterance may be given to me that I open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Number 12 is we are ambassadors for Jesus and are called to make known the mystery of the gospel with boldness. With boldness. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. It's so we can be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. A lot of people think you get it to, so you can speak in tongues. That's not the purpose of it. The purpose is to share the gospel and that boldness. That's the main, the main part of it. Um, Paul said in, in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Philippians 4, 9 says, The thing which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. So Paul's saying, look, guys, everything that I've done, you're supposed to be imitating me and doing it. Everything. Jesus said, if you believe in me, you're going to do the same things. Paul said, look, guys, I'm following Jesus. You do the same things that I'm doing. So we're to be ambassadors for Jesus. And we're supposed to be sharing the gospel with people. Okay? We're not called to be silent witnesses. You go before a judge, take the stand, attorney asks you a question, you just sit there. The judge is going to say, uh, you need to answer a question, Pastor Bob. And he's going to say, oh, no, I'm, I'm just a silent witness. That ain't going to work. God ain't calling anybody to be a silent witness. Open your mouth and tell the good things that he's done for you. That's all he asks, just to share what he's done for you. Wrapping it up. Ephesians 6, 21 through 24. But that you also may know my affairs and how, I'm in, how am I doing. I think it's Titus. See, Titus. I could have gave you a middle name of Titus there. And beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will make all things known to you, whom I have sent to you for this very purpose, that you may know our affairs and that he may comfort your hearts. Peace to the brethren and love with, with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with you and all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. Now, 13, we are called to make disciples. If Paul didn't have didn't have Titus there, what would have happened? Hopefully it had somebody else. Right? But Titus is actually mentioned five times in the Bible. And the ministry he did is, is very noteworthy. He's going to be rewarded in heaven one day because it's only a, his five times mentioned, that's only a sample of what he, I'm sure he did. Paul had him running, deliver messages over here, deliver messages over there. And that's the same way, guys. We're called to make disciples. It's not about coming to Sunday morning and feeding yourself, going throughout the week, coming back next Sunday morning, feeding yourself. You're supposed to be, as you freely receive, freely give. Matthew 10, 7 and 8, right? Jesus said, preach the kingdom of God, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. So whatever you're freely receiving, you're supposed to be freely giving out today. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Jesus said, I've got all authority, and you go. You go and make disciples. You teach them everything that I have commanded you. Okay? We can't make disciples if we're not winning people for Jesus. When's the last time you shared your faith with somebody? Has it been a while? Here, here's, here's the revelation of that. If you're not sharing your faith, then you're not going to win people to Jesus. 
The more you share your faith, the greater possibility you have of leading somebody to Jesus. Right? But you have to win somebody to Jesus in order to make disciples. And that's the first step. And that's the whole, whole with Paul, of course, he had Timothy, he had Titus. But he had people he was pouring his lives into. Sure, he wrote, wrote church letters to, to Ephesus and, and Philippi and all these other places, but he still had his group around him that he poured his life into. And if you're not a part of that, if, you don't, if you're not a part of a community group here, why not? You know, if you're saying to yourself, well, nobody ever calls, checks up on me, what group are you a part of? You know, are you making a, an effort, uh, you know, to have that fellowship? Because that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to, to live in a life of victory. Just what we were talking about, all this whole armor of God with the helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth, shod your feet the readiness of the gospel of peace, take the shield of faith, take the sword of the spirit and be praying in the spirit. If you're saying, man, I'm lacking. I, maybe I don't, I don't know who I am in Christ. Maybe I need a revelation of that. Um, man, Ephesians is a great place to start on that. <laughs> First three chapters on that. Man, it'll tell you who you are in Christ. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. I'm just going to ask the prayer partners to come down too because when I was praying this week, I just kept God here and say prophetic word, prophetic word. So I think there's people here. God wants to speak to you today. Maybe you say to yourself, what does that even sound like? When they begin to play, I want you just to come down and say, man, I want to hear from God today. What does God have to say to me? I'm going to tell you something. Prophecy will change your life. Hearing a prophetic word straight from heaven and then all the prayer partners looking at me like, what? Yeah. Don't worry, God's going to speak to you. <laughs> but also for those who, who have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to invite you to come down as well. I'm going to ask everybody to stand up. I invite you to come down as well. Maybe there's sin in your life that you're struggling with, that you're getting beat down by. You know, walking in victory is you're winning more than you're losing. Do you have a winning record on that sin? Or is it kicking your butt? Maybe there's things in your life. You just need to come down and say, look, man, I, I'm struggling with this. Can you pray with me? That's what we're here for. We're here because we love you and we want to see you grow. We want to see you walking in victory. We want to see you equipped in the whole armor of God. And so while the worship team just plays, just, if that's you, if God's put that on your heart, I just encourage you just to come down front. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.